Good morning. It is a blessed day to be here. Uh, you asked some people in some bad conditions if this is a blessing. Yes, it is. We're able to worship God in spirit and in truth. We don't have to duck from the government or anything. We are able to worship God in spirit and truth. And God has blessed us, so we are thankful to God for this moment. Oh, there's a lot of stuff going on out in the world, and, uh, 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 and you're experiencing some of it. But you know what? I belong to God. I belong to God. So you know what? Here's the thing I get to shout. If something were to happen to me today, the worst thing, guess what? I get to go to heaven. No matter what, Paul said, all the suffering that I can experience on this earth through this whole lifetime does not compare to the joy I have in heaven. So now what God is trying to convince me, and I fail at it, but he's trying to convince me that when I wake up every morning in the chaos called life, he says, remember, you are more than a conqueror. So no matter what happens through the facade of life, God is saying, remember, you have already won. It doesn't make a difference who you are. If you are a child of God, God says, you're not winning, you're not going to win, perhaps you may. God says you have W-O-N, won, or as my uncle used to say, won it, you done it, W-O-N-N-E-D, you won it, you've won it already. And, and, and guess what? We don't have to fight for, to get that battle, we fight because of that battle. Because God has died for me, he's already given me victory. That's why I fight on his behalf. Because when I got baptized into Christ, Larry died and a soldier was awakened. A, a, a new creation, the Bible said in 2 Corinthians. He was woken up and God said, okay, come on, let's go. And guess what? This new soldier, he looks for that old person. He looks for the old Larry all the time. I'm always going back to the grave trying to dig old Larry up. My old habits, my old thoughts, my old ways. But again, that's why Jesus died, because he said, I knew you was going to do that. And that's why his blood constantly washes us. And that's why I tell people, become a Christian. You don't supposed to know everything before you come become a Christian. Just know this. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Right, right? Do you believe that he came down on this earth because you are a sinner? Do you believe that no sin, not the smallest part, will enter into heaven? So because of that, he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins and mine. He died, he was buried, and he arose again out of the grave, just like you woke up from sleep this morning. He woke up from death early Sunday morning. Do you believe that? Do you believe he was born of a virgin called Mary? Do you believe the Father, God, is his Father? Do you believe that if you are baptized according to the scriptures, that he will wash your sins away, fill you with his Holy Spirit, and add you to his family, the church? Well, everybody who said that, if you are not a Christian and you believe that, you could get baptized today and go home saved. And the church said, <laughs> yeah, walk out of here new and polished. Walk out, your problems show up to you again, you say, uh-uh, same, uh-uh, uh, that guy's gone. <laughs> 
You got a new one you got to deal with called the Holy Spirit. Y'all, we are blessed. We are blessed. I know a lot of y'all don't get it when you come here, especially if you, you don't come on a regular basis or you're new. You're kind of sitting here and you're singing songs you really don't know. And, and, and you, you're just kind of sitting here and listening to preaching. And you're kind of just kind of sitting here. You're a spectator. But here's why we do this. Again, because Jesus Christ died on the cross, he saw me infinitely long time ago and died for me. And because of that, only because of that, I say, God, speak, and I'll hear. Command, and I'll obey. God, you want me to, to turn the other cheek? Okay. Why? Because you turned it for me. God, you want me to forgive people? Okay. Why? Because you forgave me. Everything we do is responding to God, not trying to get stuff from him because we got it already. Amen? So that's why Christians ought to be happy. That's all why Christians, and even in your times of turmoil, in your struggle when you're hurting, when you have to deal with loved ones, when you have to deal with heartache, when you have to deal with sickness and pain, somewhere down on the foundation of your life is God holding you up because of promises. So if we hold on to those promises, even, and this is what I like, and I know this is not going to sound right, but it's true, even in the middle of my sins, God is still holding me, never letting me go. Because he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I try to leave him all the time. And when I'm walking away, Every step I take, guess who's guess, guess who is on? On Jesus Christ. I can't walk far enough away from him. Thank you, Lord. I can't sin enough that he won't love me. I can't do it. So that's what we're inviting people to. Not this building. Not these traditions. We're inviting you to Jesus Christ. Because he loved you. Man, love him back. Amen? Let us bow. Thank you, great God Almighty, for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody, hold up your Bibles. I was joking, they hold on. We're going to go start at Romans chapter 11. I'm going to build it and then knock a home run with it. You like it? Knock it out. No, uh, uh, Romans chapter 11. What we're doing, we're talking about the church of Rome. This is a book, the book of Romans is a book that is filled with theology from chapter 1 to chapter 11. And then it's filled with practicality, with practical use of theology from chapter 11, 12 on. But in it, it's basically our theology of salvation, how we were saved through Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ alone. But here's the reality of things. This church is a mixed church of culture, Jew and Gentile. Now, to give you a little history about Jew and Gentiles, Jews were God's chosen people. Now, because they were God's chosen people, every now and then a Jew would think, oh, I'm better than anybody else because God liked me more than you. Mm, and that's what they thought. And so they would refer to Gentiles, and a Gentile is anyone who was not a Jew. So they would refer to Gentiles often as dogs. And they would separate themselves from them. And so now here's this church who is filled with Jew 
and Gentile. And God is trying to teach them through Paul that the church is no longer a separate of choosing people over race or anything. It was a combination of God's kingdom. And so you still have human beings who are going to have their way. And so they're battling in their cultures and all this stuff that's causing conflict. And Paul even had to write in, in chapter 14, he said, the kingdom of heaven is not about your cultures, about bread and meat, but about love, peace, and joy. See, they were fighting over, for instance, the Gentiles would eat, uh, they would sacrifice their meats to these different idols, these different gods. And the Jew was like, no, there's only one God, so I'm not going to eat that meat. Well, they were battling over this. Jews also kept, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Gentiles was never given that uh, decree. They fought over religious days and stuff. And so what the Jews were saying, okay, we were God's chosen people first. So if you're going to be in the church now, you got to become a mini Jew. <laughs> you got to come and do like we do and take on our practice and stuff. And, and the Gentiles were like, nope, I don't have to. I don't have to do this. You're not my God. God is my God. So it was causing fights and bickering. So Paul writes and begins to give them the understanding of what true salvation is about. And it's not about you and what you do. It's about the kingdom of God. And he begins to explain to them about the Jew and Gentile, how God came together and put them all together as one. And he starts at verse 25 in chapter 11. And he's been explaining, talking about the theology of things and, and, and how salvation came about through Christ Jesus and, and, and how belief now is not of the law but of belief. And so he gets to chapter, 20, chapter 11, verse 25, and he says what? I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. Now, what he's talking about is God has said that Jews, if y'all know anything about the Old Testament, you remember uh, uh, the Jews were up and down with God. They were uh, fall uh, from grace, and then they would be dominated by another culture. Then he'll forgive them and come out. You read the book of Job, it takes that pattern. Forgiveness, sin. Forgiveness, sin. Forgiveness, sin. Forgiveness, sin. Kind of like what we do in the church today. Forgiveness, sin. Forgiveness, sin. And so uh, uh, he, God said, I will call a people who are not my people. I will make the Jews who are my people, I will make them jealous by an calling another people who are not my people. And so what Paul is saying is God is going to put all of us together in one basket. But the Jews still had this idea that, no, we are God's favorite people. And the Gentile says, no, we're in here now. We don't have to do your stuff. But Paul is reminding them, y'all, neither one of you are best over either one. He's saying to the Gentiles, don't get uh, 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 puffed up because now you're in. Don't get puffed up. We're all the same. And it was confusing to anyone listening. And so Paul deeps down and he hits, as he's writing, Paul goes into what is called a doxology. A doxology is generally referred to in music. It's just a burst of praise. Uh, 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 just something like you can be uh, writing. I believe there's a doxology in Ephesians, the third chapter, starting around verse 20. It says, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. Before that, Paul was talking about the love of God. 
He said, God wants us to know the depth, the height, the, the, the width of his love. And then he burst out. He said, oh, the depth. And he, excuse me, he burst. He says, uh, what did he say? Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we can ask or imagine, according to the power that works in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus, a world without end. It's a doxology. It's like a burst of praise. Now, Paul is writing all this about the Jew and the Gentile, and when you listen to it, it can be kind of confusing. But Paul bursts out into a doxology, and he says what in verse 33? Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Now, Paul is saying, I just told you all this great stuff, and I know you're not getting it, but I get it. <laughs> and he breaks out in, in, in doxology, he says, all the depths and the rich. In other words, God can't be figured out. You can't logically come to uh, a summation of God. So he says, all the depths and the riches of God, how, how unsearchable are his ways and his uh, truths beyond tracing out. And then he says what? Who has known the mind of the Lord? Here we go. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has counseled him? In other words, you don't know God. You know him only through Jesus Christ, but you even know little about Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But they truly didn't even see Jesus, not even his own apostles. You remember when he died on the cross and he came back? He was walking around alive, and his apostles still didn't believe. So, so we can't sum God up. You notice all the way in the Old Testament, they have different names for God. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, uh, 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 Jehovah, uh, just different uh, names of Jehovah, uh, Yahweh, uh, and different names. But no one name could give a summation of who God is. We don't have that under human language. God is way above who we are and what he does. It's far above than what we can imagine. In Psalm 139, the Bible talks about God and his greatness. And it said in verse 6, it is so wonderful, I cannot obtain how great he is. See, God is trying to get us to understand, first of all, Christianity is not about you, it's about him. See, a lot of people are brought to Christ, and y'all seen it on TV, these Ministers try to get people to come to Christ by saying, oh, God's going to give you this. He's going to give you this. You're going to give some money, and then God's going to give you some. Like God is a ready teller. Or, or, or uh, God is a, a genie in a bottle. <laughs> you know, you can rub on him. Oh, Lord, give my three riches. You know, that's not God. Wrong God. First of all, God is God all by himself. And while you are here, yes, you should be. But God don't want you here because you should be. He wants you here because you can be. You, you understand what I'm saying? He's trying to get us to understand and, and recognize that his greatness is far above that we can even ask or imagine. He's trying to get us to understand how great he is. And, and when we realize how great he is, we understand his works we cannot put into logic. Uh, uh, and and, and uh, uh, 
Job, chapter 38. Y'all know the story of Job. Who knows the story of Job? Y'all know the story of Job. It's very popular because people read about it because Job went through some suffering. And when Job finally got fed up with God, Job said some stuff, and God said, oh, oh, hold on, Hoss. That's in the Hebrew, hold on, Hoss. That's the Hebrew. He said, hold on, Hoss. He said, wait, 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 wait. Who is this who comes? Because Job, I'm sure, was like, well, look, Lord, I'm not tired of all this stuff. Don't we get that way sometimes? Don't we get that way sometimes? Well, Lord, I suffered long enough now. Hey, check your clock. Mm. Job got tired, and after a while, God said, you talking to me? Who, who is this who comes before me with words of darkness, of ignorance, rather, who don't know what they're talking about? Uh, Job, uh, uh, let's do a little test because apparently you think you should be up there and I should be down there. But let's check before I move, vacate the throne and give it to you. Job, let me ask you a couple of questions. Where were you? Where were you, Job, when I hung the earth on nothing? Job, can you answer? But sometimes we need to be reminded that God is God, not us, so whatever happens. You see, when a Christian take that attitude, Whatever happens to me, my mind is, God be praised. Even in the hard times, even in death, even in defeat, even in sorrow, even in pain, when my mind is set on God, my resolve is, not my will, but thy will be done. So you have a proper understanding then. And still, Lord, I prayed three times. I'm on my fourth, Lord, come on. You see what I'm saying? God is trying to get us to understand, yes, I'm bigger than you think. You can't make logical sense of what I do. Why? Because I deal with stuff that you don't know about. I asked this a couple of weeks ago. How many of you, in your last 10 prayers, if you go back, how many of you prayed for Jupiter? Nobody? Y'all don't care about what happened to Jupiter? God does. God does. You see, God's mind is so big. We do that as parents. Sometimes we do some things, and our kids just don't understand. Well, mama, why? And we let them go and do it, they'll end up in a wreck. But why don't we do that? Because we see a bigger picture than they do. They only want to do what they want to do. And they only see what they want to see. But mama and daddy, they have a bigger, broader scope. Well, the same thing with us. God, I want this, and Lord, and Lord, and Lord. But God sees a bigger picture. You get it? He's bigger than us. And he says, Paul writes, he says, who has known his mind? Or who could come to God and go, God, uh, you know you messed up. He says, who has known the mind of God? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? Y'all should have seen Keith's face. Keith looked like he was telling somebody, or God should repay them. He didn't bob the head. And it's true. Who in here God owes? Is anyone in here God owe you something? Or is anyone showing up 
here to get something from God because he, he didn't pay you last time. No one. God owes you nothing, yet has given us everything. And the only thing he asks in return is to love you. That's all. That's it. Well, what do you mean by love me, Brother Nunley? John 14, 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's all I'm asking. And I'm going to tell you something, Kyle, if you follow me, I have bigger plans than you than you can even imagine for yourself. There's no one out there love blessing you more than God. There's no one. There's no one out there who can bless you better than God. So why do we come and worship? Not just to gather in a pew, but you worship because what God has done for you up until you walk into those doors, each step belonged to him. You walked it, but he owned it. Each breath you breathe, you breathe, belonged to him. You breathed it, but it was his. And all he's saying is, you come worship. You come study and learn more. If, if it's all just to learn more, if all just to show up. You know what? Because when you don't show up, I miss you. I can see when you don't show up. Especially when you sit up front. And everybody who sit up front, they're going, uh-uh, I'm sending back next Sunday. <laughs> but do you see what I'm saying? Hebrews 10, 25, forsake not the assembly of yourselves together as a matter of some is, but rather exhort one another as you build each other up and you see the day approaching. I just want a little for your lot. You remember what a tithe is? It's a 10. You know what the number 10 is to represent is completion. So when you give a tithe of heart giving, do you know that means to God it's a representation of the whole? Thank God he didn't ask for every penny back. You know God could have been a God that says, give me every dime you owe. He could have done that. But he didn't. How great is our God? Y'all, let's remember, God is bigger than you can imagine. And he loves you way more than you think. Even in your hard times, even in your times of destitute, he still loves you and he cares. And I'm telling you, in those hard times, if you pay attention, you can hear him. Oh, man, raise your hand if you've been in places where it sounds like God's not even there. Come on, be honest. It sounds like there's some times where you've been there, you're like, God's not listening to me. And I don't know why he's not listening, but he's not listening. Let me correct that. Oh, yes, he is. The Bible says in James, the effectual fervent prayers of the righteous avails much. Why? Because God hears them. The reality, that's just a statement for some folks. But y'all, in reality, man, when you go through those things of over and over and over, and you say, I've been trying, I've been doing this. It's not working, God. Why, why, why? I don't know why. But I do know this one thing. God will never leave you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Never. 
And that's a promise. Now just remember that. Because what makes us say why, why is a thing called life. Life hurts. And man, I was talking to someone this morning and said, you know, very, very few families have that perfect, that, that, that uh, pure family, father, mother, and children from the mother and father. We don't have those families much anymore. It's, it's you know, put together families, am I right? It's put together families. Man, life has come in and broken stuff up. And we have people walking out here. I, I remember when I was a kid, most of the pe- people, they, they had mom and daddy at home. But now, it's, it's changed. Stepdaddy, stepmama, stepchildren, a lot of steps. And sin did that. But God knows how to repair every single step. And he turned steps, not for things to trip over, but things to stand on and walk up. Why? Because he loves us. If you're broken, God is the carpenter to fix you. God is bigger. His mind is so great that you can't even fathom that. Man, there's times I sit there and I tell you, I'm not just saying this airport. I'm really not just saying this. I'm being honest as I can. I have a wonderful life. God has blessed me with a wonderful life. Through my hard times and my heartaches, I have a great life. I have a great life. I have problems. Oh, man, I have problems. But, man, I have a great life. God has blessed me with a great life, and that's not a cliche. That's real. I, I'm probably the happiest person in this building. I'll challenge anybody to out happy me. I'm serious, and I'm not joking. I'm serious. My father used to say it all that. He said, Larry, I think I'm the happiest man on this earth. And as I got older, I said, Daddy, I think I'm going to catch up with you and pass you. I wish you could have my life. I wish you could have the joy of my life because God is real. Even in all the trials and the tribulations, he's real. And he's shown himself to me so many times. I couldn't see him any better if I was able to stick my head into heaven. I couldn't see him any better. That's what I wish for you. I want you not to be just religious. I want you to see God in the only way that happened is you break down and go, I'm a sinner. Stop trying to put on shows. Stop trying to come to church and just be here because, oh, it's time and look at me, I'm going to church. La, 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 la. You, you can't get close to God that way. You get close to church, but we're not trying to get you close to church. We're trying to get you close to God so he can put you in his church and grow you through his church. But he, you, we are not the foundation it is him. So we don't want you to be religious and caught up in stuff. We want you to get caught up in God. Fall in love with God. Then when you start falling in love with God, then you start coming to church on a regular. Why? Because you know he loves me so. The power of God is his love. He put his power in us through his son, Jesus Christ. I asked you this morning right off the church, just before the sermon started, Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? If you do, you have to know that he died for our sins. If he died for our sins, you got to know that that involved you. You are a sinner. You sin. But that's why Jesus came. And I explained it this way to children. I said, imagine you were a wall. 
just a, a white wall. You're the wall. And someone took mud and threw it on the wall. Just kept on throwing mud, just throwing mud all over the wall. What's going to happen? The wall's going to stain. What's you think? That mud is semen. You're the wall and you're stained with semen. But someone comes with a high-pressure water hose and washes it off, washes it clean again. That's baptism. And the one washing is Jesus Christ. He's washing the dirt off. But let's say after he washed it off, someone comes back and throws some more mud back on the wall. Remember, the water hose never stopped washing. And so when the mud stick, when the mud hits, what happened? It can't stick. Why? Because the water is constantly knocking it down. That's what happened to baptism. He's constantly washing the sin away. That's why we praise. That's why we sing. That's why we serve. That's why we study. That's why we obey. Because God is the constant washer. He's committed to getting you to heaven. If you want that, then he's calling you forward as we together stand and sing the song of invitation.